Welcome to Move Forward Radio, a show featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts. This program is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Learn how physical therapists can help people of all ages and abilities reduce pain and improve and restore motion to achieve long-term quality of life at MoveForwardPT.com. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Jason Bellamy. Today is October 1st and the start of National Physical Therapy Month. The American Physical Therapy Association has been celebrating National Physical Therapy Month for more than 20 years. But this October is particularly special because it brings with it the announcement of the top 10 fittest cities for baby boomers in America, the result of a collaboration between the Huffington Post and MoveForwardPT.com, APTA's official consumer information website. In today's episode of Move Forward Radio, Physical therapist and APTA spokesperson Alice Bell reveals the top 10 cities. But even more significant, she discusses the importance of maintaining fitness after the age of 50, a time when physical activity can become a challenge, but when giving up cannot be considered an acceptable option. Bell speaks to the psychological, emotional, and physical obstacles to getting off the couch or away from the desk and moving forward to better health. She also speaks to the rewards. As always, information from our guest is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. But if you know someone who needs motivation to stay fit after 50, we encourage you to share this episode. Here's our interview with Alice Bell. Alice, today the American Physical Therapy Association, through its official consumer website, MoveForwardPT.com, and with its partner, Huffington Post, announced the top 10 fittest baby boomer cities in America. And that's what we're here to talk about today. So without further ado, share with me, what are the top 10 fittest baby boomer cities in America? I'd be happy to. Top 10 fittest baby boomer cities in America are San Jose, Minneapolis, San Francisco, Denver, Boston, Salt Lake City, Washington, D.C., Seattle, San Diego, and Raleigh. So how was that determined? How do we discover and find out that these are the fittest cities for baby boomers specifically? Well, the cities were determined based on a number of criteria that affect baby boomers. They included things like stress levels and cardiovascular health, life expectancy, access to healthcare facilities and fitness resources, and mass transit as well. So we took into account a number of factors. We also looked at things like life satisfaction and used a number of resources to gather our data, including the Behavioral Risk Factor Surveillance System and the Institute of Health Metrics and Evaluation. So when we're saying that, for example, San Jose is a fit city, are we evaluating its current baby boomers that live there? Are we evaluating San Jose itself and its ability to have public transit or public parks in which people can exercise in or some combination of both? So we are really looking at statistical reports based on data that reflects the population from about 2010 to 2012 based on which data source we were looking at. So we're looking at the current population in San Jose, the current population 50 and older, and their statistical data and their access. Why do this? So that's great that we know that San Jose is fit, that Minneapolis is fit, that San Francisco is fit, and on and on and on. Why go through the effort of of discovering this? 
Well, our goal is really to identify these areas where baby boomers experience the best quality of life and the potential to stay fit in the long term, with really the primary objective being to educate baby boomers about what factors are really important in helping them take control and maintain control of their health, wellness, and fitness. And as a physical therapist, I'm particularly focused on this, physical therapists play a crucial role in helping baby boomers stay fit and healthy and prevent injury as they age. And we really want to highlight some of the factors that are very significant because every city has the potential to be a fittest baby boomer city in America. And by highlighting these factors, we maybe can see boomers take more control of making their city a healthier city. So before we talk about that, transitioning into being healthier, let's talk more broadly about maybe the health problems. So what do we know in general about baby boomers and what typical health problems they may face? Well, we know this. We know that we have a high uh, percentage of chronic disease in this nation. Um, We know that we age with chronic disease. We develop chronic disease often in our 40s and 50s. We know that we have a highly sedentary population, which means people just are not physically active enough. We have guidelines from the Center for Disease Control that tell us that physical activity is a crucial factor and actually that sitting itself is a a cause for mortality, all-cause mortality. So we know that we are not physically active enough. We have seen some positive trends in the rates of disability for people 65 and over, but we still have far too much chronic disease, far too much individuals who engage in a very sedentary lifestyle. And that risk is just too great, both at a personal level as well as a societal cost um, in terms of the impact on healthcare costs and quality of life. So I imagine physical therapists come into play a few different ways along that lines of getting out of that sedentary lifestyle, and one of those, I think, is addressing problems as they occur. So someone has knee pain, which is prohibiting them from walking or running, and, and the ability of a physical therapist to, to help them through that. So what do we know about physical therapy in terms of being effective for getting people to return back to life and, and engage in life, not just moving beyond surgeries, but just having knee pain or hip pain or something like that that makes it difficult to get up and around? We have many individuals who are living with pain that they don't have to live with. And a physical therapist can play a crucial role in identifying, first of all, the source of the pain, what is causing that pain, and uh, helping an individual identify activities, exercises that they can engage in that will help to control the pain, eliminate the pain, reduce the need for potentially for medications or surgical procedures, and ensure that that individual is engaging in an activity that is optimally going to improve their quality of life, control their pain, make them stronger, more fit, more healthy, more well. A lot of pain can emerge from what we call biomechanics and physical therapy. So someone is just not moving in the right way, and it may be because certain muscles are weak or they have some arthritis and their joint isn't performing in the same way that it did. And so we have to really look at the movement pattern and help to correct for those things that are out of alignment whether it be a muscle strength issue, a flexibility issue, whatever it might be, a postural issue. 
So obviously, if I have a bum knee, that makes sense. I want to go see a physical therapist. I want to get that knee better so that I can walk or jog or golf or whatever I want to do. What if essentially I just feel run down, everything just kind of aches, there's nothing specific. When I try to be more active, it just doesn't seem to work for me. Is that enough to go see a physical therapist? Can a physical therapist help me with that? I think that's probably one of the best reasons to go see a physical therapist. And the reason I say that is this. We know that we have to start moving. As a nation and as a a population, a subset, the boomers, we have to move. And we have to move in a meaningful way. We have to engage in meaningful activity. Moving alone is good, but moving with some purpose and knowing that it's the right type of physical activity is really critical. And it sounds so easy. You know, we say to people, even the CDC, when you look at their guidelines beyond telling us how much we need to move, they simply say, we have to avoid inactivity. That sounds very simple, but it isn't for all of us. For some of us, It is just about getting up and moving, and we can do that on our own. But for many people, particularly those who have been inactive for a good part of their lives or even just in their recent past and who may have some chronic disease, that thought of just moving can be very scary and intimidating. They don't know how to do it safely and effectively. And they may have tried, you know, to your point, and it produced pain or it didn't produce the results they were looking for. What physical therapists do is really determine the right dose And physical activity has a dose component to make sure that we're working hard enough to produce meaningful results, but not so hard that we actually cause more problems. So a physical therapist's role in this as a movement expert is really to understand everything that's going on with that individual. What types of illness, injuries might they have had in the past? What types of diseases are they managing today? And how do we prescribe something that's going to be effective for this person, give them positive results, but not aggravate an underlying condition? That's where I think the the key role is for the physical therapist in this. You're right that we play a significant role in restoring function after an illness or an injury, but we also can play a significant role in helping people avoid illness or injury. And that is going to be critical for us as a nation as we face the healthcare challenges that we're looking at. And for boomers as they face the challenges of aging with the presence of some disease and wanting to maintain an active and fit lifestyle. If I'm following correctly, it sounds like, especially for maybe for baby boomers, that, it, that it's especially important to have realistic goals. You know, so one of the things in this country is we're growing more obese, we're growing more sedentary, and yet at the same time, there's also this focus on kind of uber health. And I think sometimes maybe that is intimidating to people as if there's two choices, to be extremely physically fit and run marathons and to sit on the couch and do nothing, as if there's nothing in between that could constitute health. So is part of it really setting realistic goals that can keep you moving one, but also feeling positive about your ability to get better? Absolutely. And I think that's one of the challenges in terms of people starting programs and then abandoning them is they they expect too much too fast, and they may even push themselves too, too soon. We do have to set realistic goals. What we know is that ultimately our objective at a minimum is for all of us to engage in 150 minutes of moderate intensity physical activity per week and not to go more than two consecutive days without engaging in that activity. But we can start slowly. We know that gathering that physical activity in bouts of 10 minutes or longer is adequate. And we also know that for someone who hasn't been very active, 50 minutes a week can actually produce some health benefits. So it's about getting started. And again, that's why I think the physical therapist can play such a crucial role, because we can help someone who hasn't done it for a long time, set appropriate goals, 
do it gradually and start to feel the benefits of meaningful activity. One of the other challenges, I said sometimes it's because people expect too much and do too much. The other problem we have is sometimes people just engage in activity that's not um, significant enough. It's kind of this sub-maximal, you know, taking these little strolls or I'm lifting weights that are less than what my muscles can handle. So we feel like we're doing all this work, but we're not seeing the signs of it having any impact. And that gets very frustrating. So again, I go back to the fact that dose is important, knowing exactly what to do. And that can often be achieved in just a, a few visits with a physical therapist. You know, that's a good point where the physical therapist can really tailor what's right for the individual. But is there a general sense to go back to that stroll idea or those weights that are so light that they're practically not weights at all? It's easy to imagine somebody feeling like, man, I put my exercise clothes on and I went around the block and I happen to have these weights in my hand and it may have seemed pretty significant. But is there any rule in terms of 20 minutes of really exerting yourself to the point that your panting is better than an hour where you're pretty much comfortable? I mean, do we have any kind of guidelines that they give us a sense of longer and easier versus shorter and more stressful? What we know is that the objective is to hit moderate intensity. Now, moderate intensity is very subjective. For someone who's been very, very inactive, that stroll around the block may be moderate intensity. And there's a number of criteria, but you can use something that's called the talk test, where when you're engaging the activity, you still can talk. You're not so breathless that you can't speak, but you definitely feel like you're working hard, moderately hard. So you notice the difference. Now, what is moderate intensity, as I said before, is based on the individual and their current condition. If we are very deconditioned, you know, very little activity can really make our heart work harder and, and produce that moderate intensity result. But what we do know is that you have to achieve that moderate intensity level ultimately. That's the goal. You may have to progress slowly to get there. Again, if you've been very inactive or you have some significant chronic diseases, but it is about getting to that point where you do feel like you're working, you know, moderately hard to hard while you're exercising. So to go back, if my city isn't in the top 10 cities, what should I take away from that? Anything? I mean, is that on my city? Is that on me? What should my response be if, if I'm not in the top 10? I think you have to look at what you are doing as an individual within your community, and then you have to look at what is your community doing to support the efforts of individuals to age healthy and well. So I think once you understand the criteria that affected a city's placement or a metropolitan area's placement in this study, we all have opportunities as individuals to change our communities, to be agents of change in our communities. So I think we can get engaged at a local level. You know, if the issue is access to parks and recreational facilities, there are things that can be done at a community level to mobilize resources and make those things more available to people. If it's access to health care facilities and resources, you can look at what is available in your community and is there any way that you can, you know, engage your local representatives to increase that access. But each one of us on an individual level can change the profile of our communities by simply becoming more active. When a community becomes more active and fit, we'll see cardiovascular disease decline. We'll see incidents of high blood pressure decline. We will see stress levels decline in that population, a higher satisfaction with life. So I, I think on many levels um, we can impact it just 
One level is changing our own behavior, and then the other level is becoming um, advocates within our communities to make sure that our communities provide us with the resources we need. What's your biggest concern for this baby boom population in terms of their health? My biggest concern, really, is that we have people who are living with pain, living with functional limitations, living with disability, who are going to in the future when it is avoidable. Um, and we can't sustain it as a nation. The cost in terms of the healthcare dollar will be too great, and the human cost is too great. We have an opportunity to change this trend. It is never too late. There's no age where it's too late to elect to engage in a healthier lifestyle, to become more physically fit. Physical therapists know that. We see it every day. We can help people who are very challenged um, adopt a more healthy and active lifestyle, and we can help people who are already active stay that way. My biggest concern is that we will continue to see avoidable functional loss, avoidable chronic disease, avoidable disability, and it will strain this nation to a point where we cannot sustain it. If somebody's listening to this who is the child of a baby boomer, or maybe even the grandchild, and they see somebody who, who needs to be more active, who needs to take care of their health better, what advice would you give them um, to help that person, to help that baby boomer in their life become more active? You know, we all need support systems, and that doesn't necessarily mean someone just harping at us, telling us what we should do. I think we can affect change in others' behavior by being role models for that behavior and providing people opportunities to participate in an activity that has some social benefit as well. You know, as I said before, sometimes people who haven't been active for a long time, who do have chronic disease, they've withdrawn a little bit because they have fear and they have pain, and to your point, they don't feel well. And so if as a child or as a grandchild, I can start getting that person out a little bit, getting them to engage in things that they maybe used to enjoy and have stopped doing in small doses. Also, I would really, really enforce the opportunity to perhaps uh, talk with your loved one about seeing a physical therapist and helping to develop a plan they can execute on that won't be too intimidating. Not everyone wants to go to a gym, and that's not necessary. There's so many things we can do in our own homes, in our own yards, in our own neighborhoods to keep us healthy and fit, to help us get there. And it's also important that we can recognize that we can be fit in the presence of chronic disease. Health and wellness doesn't mean absent disease. It's about managing conditions. So I think be a role model, provide support, provide opportunities for your loved one to engage in activity, and look for the resources, including a physical therapist, that can help them do it safely and effectively. It's easy to imagine how the physical, when it starts going bad, immediately affects the emotional and the psychological and, and creates that sense of isolation, as you mentioned. So does the reverse hold true as well? How quickly can those physical gains, feeling better about yourself, if you just improve somebody's mood and spirit and, and ability to think they can keep going forward? Do you see that with patients? Absolutely, and it can happen very quickly, again, with the right dose of physical activity. We have a number of studies that indicate that one of the best prescriptions for depression in older adults is moderate intensity, aerobic exercise, and strength training. But it needs to be the right dose to provide 
the benefits. But yes, if an individual engages in meaningful activity, they can very quickly experience all the positive benefits. And it's not just the physical benefits. As I said, exercise plays a key role in depression. And the more well an individual feels, the more energy they feel they have, the more likely they are to engage or re-engage in social situations. We know with women in particular, postural changes can be a significant reason as to why women start to withdraw from society. They feel self-conscious about their physical appearance as their posture begins to change. Those things can be reversed, particularly in the early stages, and people don't have to start to withdraw because the problem we see is when that happens, when an individual makes their world smaller, they are moving less and less. So if I go from having been out in my community, either working every day or volunteering, and then something happens and I stop doing that, and now I'm just going out a couple of days a week to do my grocery shopping, and then before you know it, I'm feeling a little self-conscious and unsure of that, and I have someone else do that for me, and now I'm not leaving my house at all, and before you know it, I may not be accessing the second floor of my home. The smaller our world gets, the greater our risk is because we don't have an opportunity to engage in that meaningful activity. We need to keep people engaged as much as possible, and certainly a meaningful physical activity plan can produce those results. So that leads to the last question, which is, I'm listening to this. I'm a baby boomer. I'm not as active as I should be. I'm not as healthy as I should be. I know it. Beyond going and seeing a physical therapist, what do I need to do today? Is it a physical goal? Is it a mental goal? Is it setting a goal in the first place? What do I need to do today to start getting better? Here's what we know. If every one of us simply engaged in 30 minutes of moderately intense physical activity, five to six days a week, we could change the profile of chronic disease in this country. So what I would say to you today is you need to start at least brisk walking, swimming, jogging, dancing, whatever it is you enjoy. And again, it doesn't have to be traditional exercise. Dance is a wonderful exercise. Strenuous gardening, yard work, lawn work is great physical activity. There's things we can do in our everyday lives. You know, you hear this all the time. Park the car a little bit farther away so you have to walk more. Take the stairs instead of an elevator or an escalator. But what you want to do is accumulate moderate intensity activity in bouts of 10 minutes or longer with your goal being 30 minutes, five to six days a week. If every one of us started there, those of us who can do that without any challenge or problem, we would change the profile of chronic disease in this country. Alice Bell, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. To learn more about National Physical Therapy Month and the top 10 fittest cities for baby boomers, visit moveforwardpt.com. To hear future episodes of Move Forward Radio, follow the link on this page to subscribe on iTunes. In coming weeks, we'll be sharing some special patient stories in honor of National Physical Therapy Month that you won't want to miss. I'm Jason Bellamy. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guests is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Learn more about how a physical therapist can help you and find a physical therapist in your area at moveforwardpt.com. For an archive of past episodes, visit moveforwardpt.com slash radio.